Sherry Agar in for John Moore again today, and Mark Tuohy's in for me again from 9 until noon. Joining me on The Morning Brief, Deb Hutton. Good morning. Good morning, Jerry. How are you doing? Well, I was a little put off by the whole cat music thing. Yeah? I gotta tell you. Yeah, I was having a good morning, and then you guys put me to sleep. (laughs) Listen, I have to tell you, in our house, only when the girls are at school and I'm in charge of the radio, when I leave, I leave News Talk 1010 on for the dog. And uh, how does the dog react to that? I don't know. I'm not here. Oh, But I'm assuming, you know, just like me, she'll get upset with some topics. (laughs) <laughs> be agreeing with the with the radio and others. I don't know. <laughs> Barking angrily at the radio. Wish, exactly. Wishing she knew how to dial a phone. Exactly. Yeah, probably. I was actually going to ask uh, Nick, but I'll ask you. Do you think that cat music, which we'll hear again in a moment for anybody who's just joining us, do you think you could actually go to sleep to that music? No. No? Here's how it no. sounds. I don't know. It's a it's a kind of a mellow cello and a contented kitten. No, it's a little creepy for me. I what put okay. me to sleep was was your uh, rendition of uh, of the Chicago song. That's what put me to sleep. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. You could fall asleep to that for sure. All right. Are we doing anything useful here, Deb? (laughs) (laughs) It's Friday. It's Friday, Jerry. (laughs) Uh, No, I'll tell you what my problem is. There was a double header yesterday with the Jays, and it didn't end until 11.30, and I watched it, and then I went to bed, and I got up at 2. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so um, activists are asking for the city to do more for people who are living in tent cities. The city is not opening emergency cooling centers the way they have in past years. Uh, With the heat that we've had, I mean, if you've ever camped and you tent and you have tented during hot weather, oh my gosh, you wake up in the morning, the thing is like a greenhouse. Yeah, but listen, we do have places to go to cool, public spaces, uh, and they are available. And there there are options for people who are in these encampments. My problem with the notion uh, that the activists are bringing forward of putting more supports around our encampments is that you are entrenching encampments. And I just think that is fundamentally wrong. Take the money we have, because we spend a lot of money on shelters and on getting homeless off the streets, and make sure that that is what we're doing, not supporting encampments. Yeah, there does, I'm glad you said that, there does seem to be, uh, everybody has a right to live in a tent if they want to, and then the taxpayers are obligated to look after all their other needs, and I'm sorry, but life just doesn't work that way. No, I mean, the notion that we're going to truck water in, I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful to have water available and those sorts of things. But again, the more we do to support the encampments, the longer they're going to be. And we all know that that's a recipe for disaster. The other thing the city has to do is really continue to put pressure on the feds because a third of our shelter beds are taken up by refugees. And those refugees are let into the country legitimately by the federal government. But you have to put your money where your mouth is when you're going to, when you find that they are taking a substantial portion of the city shelter beds. We had a CTV report earlier this morning. Canadians are choosing to spend less on summer travel or not at all over financial concerns, day trips, uh, the staycation, that kind of thing. Um, I guess that's not surprising with the price of groceries and the cost of so many things and some people still recovering financially from COVID. 
Yeah, but when you look at this, I mean, the, the number of Canadians who say that is up a little bit from previous years, not a tremendous amount. I think every year a family looks at its circumstances. And, and maybe it's uh, partially, I think, because some people did do big trips last year because of all that pent-up uh, demand from being locked down in COVID. And so if you did a big trip last year, of course you're probably not going to be able to afford to do a big trip this year and, and vice versa. If you, if you didn't go out of the country, if you didn't look at major travel last year, you may still have that pent-up demand. So I don't put a lot of stock in it. I think, uh, you know, people are still concerned about the airports and whether their flight they can actually depend on. So I, I think those, all of those things have an impact on your decision-making as a family. Yeah, I take advantage of relatives. I'm leaving for Dallas later on this afternoon, but I'm going to stay with my son. And are you doing a motorcycle? No, I'm flying uh, oh, okay. in, in this case. I, I'm flying, but that's my cost, is, is the ticket. Yeah. And then they'll pick me up, and, uh, and there's a car available, and there's a, you know, when I sleep at his house, I mean, uh, that makes it a, a, a you know, a, a, a cheap vacation, so to speak. And um, he'll feed you. Good dinners. No, we'll go to his restaurant and overspend. That's where I'll spend the money. That's where I'll spend the money. But yes, that that is a part of uh, staying with relatives sometimes. When you when you see older movies, it's not uncommon to see a situation where there are some people, often guys, they live in rooming houses. Maybe uh, the widow Wilson, um, she lost her husband, and they had a big house with a lot of bedrooms. And so, in order to support herself, I'm talking about movies from the 40s, maybe. Um, what she does is she turns all the bedrooms into uh, rental rooms and maybe she provides a breakfast and a dinner it's like a, a big bread and bed and breakfast kind of thing uh, rooming houses boarding houses they're called they've kind of gone out of favor but now apparently they're coming back uh, maybe that's a way to mitigate against the cost of housing it is, and, and you're right, I think it is cyclical uh, in terms of, of circumstances in society because they were very popular. The City of Toronto has recently moved to legalize them, which I think is, is the smart move. I know there are those who think that's, therefore, we will have more of them, and many of them have a bad reputation and have been considered unsafe. But one of the ways you make sure they're safe and people can you know, legitimately rent a room is if you actually license them. And so this is a case where I'm okay with a bit more government in this situation, because I do think just rooming houses that, that are not safe and that people are being taken advantage of doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you're, let's say you're a, a student, a foreign student who doesn't have a lot of disposable income, the notion that you could live in a room, I think is a great one in terms of cost and, and maybe even meeting people. Well, sure. I don't know whether the meal part will ever come back, uh, whether people would, you know, put themselves in a position of having to be home at six o'clock like you're 12 years old and you better be home in time for dinner. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think that part of it is necessarily going to come back. But uh, living in a, a bedroom that is a home where you've got other uh, opportunities to wander around a little bit for uh, a fraction of what it costs if you were to rent your own place, I, I see this as a good thing. And if the city wants to make it legal, and license it uh, and that kind of thing, There's, a, I, I believe you'd have a lot of these places that would actually be safe and good places to live. Absolutely. And the other advantage, of course, is that they can be available pretty quickly. Maybe not tomorrow, but very, very quickly at a time when we desperately need additional units. Although I could see a fight over the bathroom every morning, but then that's a family thing too, isn't it? I have two girls. 
How long do you need to be in there? <laughs> okay, so uh, here's a story that I don't know that whether this will become a Canadian thing or an American thing, but it's a McDonald's thing, so it could. And again, to mitigate against the high cost of, in this case, weddings, um, this this is a, a McDonald's venture in... Uh, went out of my head what... Indonesia. I think it's Indonesia. In Indonesia. Indonesia, McDonald's offers a $200 wedding package. So for $2 per guest, here's what you get. You get uh, every guest of your 100 guests gets a chicken sandwich, a four-piece chicken McNugget box, and then for the couple, there's a bouquet and two golden wedding bands included. How do you like it? So this story has my name written all over it, Jerry, because I can't stand McDonald's and I can't stand when people have weddings that are too big for them to be able to afford it. There's no rule that says when you get married, you have to have 200 people. So the this notion, is 100 people for $200. Either way, if you can't afford to have the guests and all you can do is afford $2 McDonald's for them, don't have that many guests, period. It drives me nuts. Plus, I don't like McDonald's. I, I just okay. don't. Okay. But then, well, what do you like? For food? Yeah. Like for fast food? Yeah. Yeah, not much. Okay. Because I was thinking, well, why not have 25 guests, and then you've got eight bucks per person and have your wedding at Burrito Boys? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, I will say some of the weddings we've been to recently bring out like snacky food, sort of junk food late at night. So I have seen where people will bring McDonald's in at 11 o'clock, but that's not your meal. They've actually fed you uh, a decent dinner. And then McDonald's or I've seen, you know, mac and cheese, <laughs> that sort of heavy food after you've had an evening of imbibing, yeah. they'll bring that in. So I could see that. I still wouldn't eat it, but I could see it. Okay, yeah, I was at a birthday party, and it was a tremendous number of people there, and all of a sudden, McDonald's shows up, and they brought, I think, 100 cheeseburgers, and it was just in a big stack in the table, and everybody just walk over and get your cheeseburger if you want one. I thought it was fabulous. I happen to like McDonald's, by the way. There you go. I bet late at night, but at least you you know, you know you were fed earlier. This was kind of yeah. the, the icing on the cake, so to speak. Just Although, not for me. Yeah, there's one thing you don't want to do here, and I don't think you're trying to do it, and that is don't make fun of people who this is all they can afford to do. No, but my point is don't have a big wedding. Yeah. Like, if you can't afford to have a wedding, which is so, so common, then don't do it. Just don't cheap out on it by having so many guests. Okay. Yeah, then the best thing to do is um, justice of the peace or a minister or something like that. And then, uh, hey, guess what, everybody? We got married. Yeah, a few people in the backyard. Whatever you can afford makes sense. What yeah. I don't like is big, big invitations for everybody. And then you have to pay as a cash bar or yeah. you, you don't get fed, or, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stories about what people are doing for their wedding. Well, the wedding band is gonna be the cat music, and uh, by the way, we're registered at McDonald's. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. Have a great weekend. And now for the first dance for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> the Bride and Fluffy. <laughs> 